0: A paz de jesus esteja convosco. that's portuguese my language for may the peace of jesus be with you now um, he's here with us he promised that and uh, sometimes we get distracted but he doesn't <laughs> and uh, so it, it is special for me to to share um, this time with you and jesus together it would be great just to be with you today and recognize that uh, we can be in mission, we can fulfill our calling uh, with your support and so that makes us partners. And uh, I wish I could have time to tell you how much God is doing with us together in that part of the world. But it is even better if Jesus is here because then we, we, we can have something that lasts, something that will remain with us um, for eternity. So uh, last week we all around the world, in all kinds of languages, in all kinds of places, um, people in all kinds of situations were doing what you did here. We were celebrating uh, our Lord's death and resurrection. Easter is the highest moment um, in our our faith uh, as Christians. We are only here because Jesus um, came out of the dead. He he resurrected. I'm getting to know you. Uh, We're part of something big only because Jesus came to live again. So it's no small thing, and I I want to bring that back today because uh, Easter is not over. Indeed, (laughs) once we celebrated the resurrection, we are invited to practice death and resurrection with Jesus. To follow Jesus means that we practice death every day. That like him, we die for our agendas, for our expectations, for our dreams and illusions, for our stubbornness of trying to live the life on our own terms, do our own thing, uh, keep ourselves out of problems and getting some kind of happiness. We give that all away. We die for that so that we can have the real, lasting Special life that Jesus uh, is living now and is calling us to be part with him. So the whole idea that Easter calls us to practice death and practice resurrection ourselves every day. The life of a disciple, and I take it that you are all, like me, followers. We, we are students. We are learning from Jesus what it means to live. Um, uh, the life of a disciple is that of following, following. That means not just to follow in everything we do today, um, the choices we make and so on, but also we follow Jesus in denying ourselves, picking up our cross and just go on into his agenda. He did say that. If you want to come after me, that's what you got to do. You got to deny yourselves, pick up your cross and follow me. Didn't do that to take away... um, all the wealth that he already has given us. He just wants to put it out there uh, abundantly. And that's why we need to deny little dreams and little expectations to have the bigger ones. So let's just take this moment today to review once again the centrality of the message of Easter. Uh, It's not just another message. It's not just another thing we do. You know, we check in the box of our believers. Yes, Easter. It's actually central. Because it's about Jesus. And Jesus is the name above all names. The whole of creation was is doing. And the whole of creation is worshipping him. And we are called to be part of that as well. So it's no little thing. Uh, by him, the Bible tells us. And for him, all things were created things visible and invisible. We already have come to that conclusion as humankind that we can't possibly know everything that is visible or that exists materially. You know, the scientists keep studying the galaxies and it just seems to be more and more and more. We don't know where this ends. And if we go into the tiny little details, there's more and more and more. We, all that is visible and yet we are talked about the invisible The things that are not material and that are probably as many or bigger. And Jesus created it all. uh, And it is for for him as well that they were created. So that gives us a a glimpse of how important, how important uh, is that message of Easter. (laughs) There's no message more important than that. To the point that billions of people uh, of of all ages, of all conditions, um, have declared themselves Christians following Jesus Christ like us even giving their lives for his name's sake is that important that it could take us uh, our lives if need be and for most of us that don't but uh, let's so uh, w- w- consider now in, in, in God's words why Jesus is so important he is the most important thing about our lives Okay, let's consider that the text is from John uh, 5, nine, fourteen. 14, um, what I'm going to ask you is that when you go home today, you will read this in the Bible version that you are most comfortable with. I'm going to use a paraphrase, so it's not really the Bible, but it's a comment, it's a, a rendering of the Bible. I'll do that so I can save some comments. This rendering already is, is a comment in itself, so I'll save some time and then I can focus on the two last things I want to say today, which I think are important. So I will go through some slides um, or some, some text. You, please listen because this rendering, this paraphrase, is, uh, is quite graphic, it's quite interesting to, to listen to. Um, so Jesus explained himself at length by telling. Uh, this I'm telling you this straight. The son can't independently do a thing, only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. The father loves the son and includes him in everything he's doing. Okay. Next he says, but you haven't seen the half of it yet. In itself that is so important, and yet there's more. For in the same way, The father raises the dead and creates life, so does the son. The son gives life to anyone he chooses. Neither he nor the father shuts anyone out. The father handed whole authority to judge over to the son so that the son will be honored equally with the father. Anyone who dishonors the son dishonors the father. For it was the Father's decision to put the Son in the place of honor. So we're talking about God. And, you know, we've got this God who is immense, infinite, eternal, concepts that we can't possibly capture, and yet He wants to talk to us. And He comes to us through Jesus. That's how important it is that we are uh, dealing um, with this message like this is God. The ultimate reality talking to us. So, Jesus is so important. He's the most important because he is one with God. Jesus is God among us. He's our connection to our creator. And he's our redeemer. He saves us. As John said in another part of this gospel, in John 1, 18, he says, No one, no one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, Jesus, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made God known. That's how important Jesus is. And that's why we can't possibly afford to miss on this message. Okay? And bring it up to the important things in our lives, the most important. So we go into more words. And now it says, it is urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes that uh, what I am saying right now and aligns himself with the Father, who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person who believes in what Jesus says and uh, aligns himself with the Father, this person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. Repetition. It was urgent that you listen carefully, and now it goes to say, it is urgent that you get it this right. The time has arrived, Jesus says, and I mean right now, when dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God, and hearing will come alive. And Jesus carries on to teach more, and he says, I can't do a solitary thing on my own. I listen, then I decide. You can trust my decision because I'm not out to get my own way, but only to carry out orders. Listen to this again, because this piece gives us an idea of what it means to follow Jesus. We follow Jesus, then this Jesus tells us that I can't do a solitary thing, on my own. I listen, then I decide. You can trust my decision because I'm not out to get my own way, but only to carry out orders. That was Jesus, the one we follow, the one we are to do similarly. And then he says, I'm speaking to you this way. I'm bringing these words to you so that you will be saved. That's what Jesus wants. Saying all that so that we will be saved. John, he talks about John the Baptist, was a torch. Blazing and bright. And you were glad enough to dance for an hour or so in his bright light. But the witness that really confirms, confirms me, Jesus, far exceeds John's witness. It is the work the Father gave me to complete. These very tasks, as I go about completing them, confirm the Father that the Father in fact sent me The Father who sent me confirmed me, and you missed it, he tells his hearers. You missed it. You never heard his voice. You never saw his appearance. appearance. There is nothing left in your memory of this message, because you do not take the messenger seriously. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me, Jesus says. And here I am standing right before you and you aren't willing to receive me or receive from me the life you say you want. I'm not interested in crowd approval, Jesus says. And you don't know why. Because I know you and your crowds. I know that love, especially God's love, is not on your working agenda. I came with the authority of the Father and you either dismiss me or avoid me. If another came, acting self-important, you would welcome him with open arms. But how do you expect to get anywhere with God when you spend all your time jockeying for a position with each other, ranking your rivals, and ignoring God? Okay. There are two things here that I'd like to consider with you this morning in this text of Jesus that I hope you read later in your own version. Uh, this was a commented version going through. Um, there's a warning, uh, and there is a serious warning, I'd say, the most serious warning. And we listen to weather warnings, forecasts, and, and we, we, we are always looking for, you know, how, how do, do we uh, do it right? So we, there's a serious warning here, and also one uncomfortable gift you get from no one else at this level. Let's start with the warning. It's not the easiest one. But we need to be aware of that. Um, It is for our own good. So go back to what Jesus was just saying. He said uh, that the Father who sent me confirmed me and you miss it. You missed it. That's the warning. We can miss it. You never heard his voice. There is nothing left in your memory of this message because you do not take his messenger seriously. These scriptures are all about me and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. What is the life we want? Because we devote a lot of our effort and days to get a kind of life, don't we? We work seriously with discipline, dedication, we invest all of our existence to get a certain kind of life. What is the life that we seek? Well, on the surface, it seems like we seek a number of things that give us material security, that uh, gives us happiness, whatever that means for people. It seems that we are working to get a certain kind of life. But often we sense there's more to it, to this. To this. There's, there's got to be more. Is this all? I mean, do we spend most of our lives working for this and then that's all we get? We understand that there's something deeper because we were created in the image and likeness of God. So we, We have inner expectations that we need to listen to so that we don't miss it. Jesus says in this rendering, I know that love, especially God's love, Is not on your working agenda. Really? What is my working agenda? What gets me out of bed every day and drives me around and makes me invest myself? What is my working agenda? If someone asked me this question, what would I say? Jesus says that love, especially God's love, is not in their working agenda, the people he was talking to. He says, I came with the authority of the Father, of my Father, and you either dismiss me or avoid me. When it comes to make decisions in our lives, to make choices, do we dismiss Jesus' participation in them? Do we? Avoid Jesus sometimes because either we feel guilty or we feel shame or we feel whatever and that we don't want to go the best way because we're kind of hoping that uh, the other way will work out somehow and then I don't have to submit or I I can do my own thing, I'll work it out, I'll find a way around, i find another coach, another personal trainer, I'll listen to more TED Talks and I'll get it right and by doing that sometimes we are avoiding. The clear, loving voice that wants to get us past that and even go beyond. Jesus says these incredible warning words. How do you expect to get anywhere with God, ignoring God? (laughs) That's not how you get there. Now, Jesus here, during this passage in John 5, was talking to religious people. And I think to a certain degree we can consider ourselves religious. He was talking to religious people of his time. Not just religious people who have a voice and discourse and go to church. He was talking to people who are really serious about their religion. He was talking to the Pharisees. They've got a bad reputation. But I mean, if you want, if you, if you want to look for people who invested all of their lives in, into their convictions, this would be the Pharisees. You know, these guys were um, models uh, of devotion, of commitment, of going to extremes to fulfill their faith. And Jesus is talking to them. And because they are resisting him, they are still thinking that they get it somewhere else. So they're resisting Jesus and his message, and they will actually kill him for the message. Okay? But even though he was talking to his people, uh, these Pharisees, these religious people of his time, maybe we can hear a little warning for ourselves too. Because sometimes we kind of put all our expectations on religion, (laughs) and uh, religion could be sometimes a substitute for a relationship with the Lord, an ongoing relationship. Um, Because I've I've done all the religious good stuff, I can rest, but then I I avoid Jesus. I'm talking about what I know. Uh, this is a struggle that once in a while I have to go through myself. Okay? It seems to be the easier way. And I'm always looking for shortcuts. And so I get into trouble often. But this is, um, uh, these words, I think, come to us that might have taken Jesus' message superficially. It, it sounds good. It's nice. I subscribe it. But then I go on with my life. So we miss the message. We're missing the message if we're not hearing his voice, having our memory focused on a million other things and not taking Jesus Jesus seriously enough, we ignore God in many of our decisions, in many of our situations, etc. So there is a warning uh, voice here. you know we live we are a generation of humans living in a 21st century who has been described by someone as um, the Burnout Society. What it means you know, you know burnout, some of you have experienced burnout I've experienced burnout myself. We come to the end of our resources, there's nothing left some go into depression and stay there for a long time and we live in, a, in an age where this is becoming more and more common to more and more people because we are in, stimulated all the time to be you know, processing, we, we don't stop, we do multitasking, we, we get uh, all these proposals, these um, uh, invitations, and we want to jump into all then and be connected. And, and, and people get tired and tired to the point of uh, exhaustion and burnout. So our attention, yours and mine, in this age, is being um, the motive of competition. There's a competition out there to get our attention, to get more commitments from us, um, to even take our affections. And we put our heart into all these different things that are suggested to us. And that brings great costs to us personally, to our families, to our communities. We are indeed killing ourselves. In this burnout society it said that we are now Come to the point where we are the master and the slave at the same time. And it's a merciless master. And the slave is being killed. Um, because we follow our own ways. We follow what it sounds good out there. Seeking first the kingdom of God. You heard these words? That's what Jesus says. What should we do? Seek first the kingdom of God. That means seeking His reign over our hearts and minds each day. Seeking the kingdom of God is seeking that he reigns. That he is the king and I'm the subject. That I'm managed, if you want, by by God. That's what seeking the kingdom of God means uh, to me. Everything else the Lord will take care of. Seek you first the kingdom of God and God will take care of everything else. What do we do often? We want to do everything else. (laughs) rather than seeking. And so we get wasted in the process. Everything else the Lord will take care of when we first seek his govern, his kingdom uh, in us. And you know, when we live under this king, uh, it's the kind of king that liberates us. (laughs) No one has our best interests like God does. He wants to govern us, not to make us, you know, like Jesus says, I, I, I call you friends. <laughs> That's the kind of king we're talking about. You know, having Jesus as a friend it's liberating, empowers us to live newness of life. Not more of the same, but fresh new possibilities. Yeah. We... That way become an inspiration. When people are seeking out references, how can we live? Then they can see how life is meant to be lived by looking at us when we follow Jesus and seek first his kingdom. So this is the necessity for this warning. Okay? We need this warning. Uh, We must listen, learn, and embody the Easter message. Or our lives will be a waste far from what we were created to be, unaligned with and distant from God, our creator and our loving creator. If our life is dependent on, uh, on, on something, you know, imagine that you've, you've been told by the doctor that you have a deadly disease and you're gonna have a, only some, some more time to live. All of us have so more time to live, we don't have unlimited time. But we ignore that most of the time, we just carry on and hope that all goes for the best. But when we are told, your time now is finished, you have a few more months or a couple more years, and uh, there's nothing we can do about it. But if someone told us, well, actually, there is a cure out there, uh, wouldn't we sell everything to get that? Wouldn't that be more important than keeping all of the things that we have? You know, of course it is. That's what we're talking about here with this warning. We would invest all our resources, savings, time, focus, even leave all else behind to fight death. That is condemning us and to preserve our lives. Don't we often spend so much of our lives trying, trying to improve them. Seeking quality and security and joy. But yet we invest so much to get so little. That's the warning. But of course there are the good news. Okay? And, and Jesus came to give us the good news. He didn't spare us the warning. Because he knows how we can go out of the way and and waste our lives. But he wants to give us the good news. And this good news you're going to hear nowhere else. Nobody's going to bring you that. These are the good news. Remember what uh, we read before. It is urgent. The good news are urgent. It is urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes What I am saying right now, and aligns himself or herself with the Father, has at his very moment the real lasting life. And is no longer condemned. This person takes a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. These are the good news. We listen, we align, and we get this real lasting life. The real and lasting life is true about eternity. So when we talk about the Easter message, we often say, well, because of Jesus' resurrection, now we will resurrect too, and we will live forever. So we're happy that we have conquered eternity. And then we push that aside often and say, well, one day, (laughs) when I die, I'll grab that Okay, I will live the eternal life then. <laughs> what, what, uh, what nonsense. You know, um, the real and lasting life is uh, eternal, but eternity includes the present moment, includes today, includes this very moment we are here together. The whole of this day, every other day coming this week, for the rest of our lives we're living eternity already. <laughs> Which means we don't push it aside and one day I'll deal with that. We are now living eternal life and this lasting, real lasting life. Living the world of the living instead of the world of the dead requires absolutely that we fix our eyes and fine tune our agendas on Jesus, listening carefully to him every single day of our lives. So this Easter message, the importance of Jesus, and it seems like... uh, should we be talking about this? Don't we all consider already Jesus to be important? Why, why do we need to be reminded of that all the time? The importance of Jesus in our lives and our world is immense. It makes all the difference. It is the night or day, death or life kind of difference. No other message is that important. We need to be reminded over and over again because of all the noise around us and even inside us. And that real and lasting life is available now to each person. I'm not just talking about the eternal salvation. And the now living that real and lasting life now. It's available to each one of us, to our neighbors, to our fellow workers, to our fellow students, to every person everywhere in the world. And as we receive this life and become the demonstration of that life, to all around us. Let let me just say say something about this. You know, I've shared this uh, testimony before. I came to the United States at 17 years old as an exchange student. And uh, I lived with an American family in Florida for one year and went to high school and graduated as a senior. Back then, I was a Marxist. I was involved in politics. As a young person, I wanted to change the world. I wanted a better world and I thought Marx had got it. Um, the propaganda was so good that I believed that we could actually create a new man. Marxism was about creating a new man. How do you do that? By revolution. By eliminating those who have the means, uh, the capitalists and then everybody becomes equal and there will be a great world out there. That's what I believed in. And then this family I lived with, they embodied the Easter message at home. You live with them every day. You have breakfast with them. You go to school with them. You know, you, you, you just live with people who embody the Christian, the Eastern message. And you see that, that there is, you know, the things that they decide, how they make decisions, even to buy a car. I watched that. How they're gonna use their time. The friendships they cultivate. What are the things that they are desiring for their lives? I saw, this is the <laughs> I want that. And, and that it, that's a life that comes out of a different mindset. That is the new man actually. It's not imposed by military, it's not imposed by law, by oppressive regimes. It is the, generated by God from inside us. It changes the way we live. And that's how I gave my life to Jesus 42 years ago, and that's why I'm here today. Because I saw it works. It makes a difference. Yeah. Thank you. And many of you could say the same. But often, sometimes we get distracted by all this noise and all these um, proposals out there. You know, So that, that's how we need to embody. We become, when we follow Jesus, we become the demonstration of the Easter message to people around us. Now, we might even talk about it, but people will see it and will, they, they, they will want that. They were created for that. So, in a sense, we receive this life from Jesus, this resurrected life, and become its demonstration. We enter kind of, a, we, we go into the life business. <laughs> Let's call this. When we follow Jesus, we go into the life business. Um, we become agents of life to a world that is increasingly a world of a a culture of death. You know, simple things like when we became, when we got married, Rita and I, people say, oh, you are too young, what are you doing with your lives? we thought, we're doing, you know, this is life, this is good. But people felt, you know, you're going to lose your independence and each one of you and all the problems of married life, don't get into that. It's, it's too early, uh, delay that. And then we had the first child and they said, oh, a child, you know, bringing a child into this world, you know, are you serious? And then the second one, you must be crazy. And then the third one, and even our family said, four, you guys, stop it. You know, it's like people, they, they don't see life, they see death. All around us we look, we open the news, what we see, death, death, death. It's, it's about killing. It's about, uh, it, it's about not seeing possibilities, but just seeing limitations. It's about scarcity, about uh, misery, destruction. And we are agents of life in this kind of place. We are often the voice in the room that has hope. Because we live hope, as we, sing, sing, we have the living hope of Jesus in us. Living hope. It's not a wishful kind of thinking, (laughs) it's living, it's it's actually changing the way I look at things, the way I get involved with people, the way I run my life. And so as we become agents of life, fighting the current culture of death, we end up being people who liberate. You know, as Marxists, we wanted to liberate the world. But they don't come closer to us Christians liberating people, one by one, from the claws of death, And I'm not just saying clause of death when you start, you know, finish breathing, but the clause of death that keep people dead while they are still breathing. Because there's nothing else beyond it. In conclusion, we're coming to the end. How shall we then leave this Easter message? So I'm I'm getting help here. Okay, I'm going to get the Apostle Paul. Uh, I think he's going to do it much better than me. So I'm reading uh, the NIV version, and then I'll go again into the paraphrase, the message that I've been using, because the paraphrase kind of brings a little color into it, and it makes it easier for us to capture some of the concepts. But let's go with with Paul talking to the Philippians. And you've heard this passage before, but the question is, how do we then live the Easter message? Um, What is the warning and the good news? How do we bring it into our days? And Paul says this. whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider all these things garbage and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let's hear this again in other words. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes. All the things I once thought. Were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. <laughs> Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. As you know, again, Paul was a Pharisee. He was very religious, a model of a religious person. He did it all with rigor, dedication. He was ready to go to all extremes necessary, including persecuting people and even participating in the killing of people because of his religious convictions. He was that serious. But all of his credentials, as it says this, all of his credentials, all his awards for being such a person, all of his reputation, all of his religious achievements turned out to be little else than garbage to him. At least that's the way he saw them once he got to know Christ personally. All else in life paled in value compared to the simple but so fundamental and so joyful truth of embracing Christ and being embraced by Christ. This reminds me of Jesus telling these uh, stories of guys who found the most beautiful pearl and they sold everything to get it. Or they found that there was this treasure on a field and they sold everything they had To go and get that field and that treasure. That's what Jesus is telling us about the kingdom of God. Everything else is garbage compared to this. So following Paul's realization of what is most important and the best about our lives. And all the trash that we need to clean. To make space for following Jesus in a way that gives us life daily. I would... uh, suggest that we consider this season in your country that is uh, known as uh, spring cleaning, okay? Everything has been closed, we have accumulated some dust and stuff, and, and now we go into our houses, open the windows, and let's get this sorted out and do some spring cleaning in our hearts and in our minds, in our agendas, okay? That would be one way of practicing death and practicing resurrection, of taking the message of Easter Sunday and bring it into our living. So I suggest that if you want now for a few moments, not too long, if you feel more comfortable and focus more, close your eyes um, and and, and let's just make a quick exam here about this, um, taking the idea of spring cleaning. So are are there anything we might need to tear up and throw out with the trash? In our hearts, in our minds, in our agendas? Would we desire to say like Paul that all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life? I've dumped it all in the trash? What is it in our lives currently That might keep us from experiencing the incomparable high privilege of knowing Jesus as our master. Of having Jesus being part of our existence. Could it be some of this garbage? Could it be worry? Anxiety? Fear? Could it be the pursuit of security, safety, balance, kind of having a zen kind of life? where we have no problems. Are we devoting perhaps too much time and energy to entertainment, to finding happiness, to enjoy life while it lasts? Are there personal ambitions, dreams, plans that take the best of us and reduce space for God's agenda in our hearts and calendars? Perhaps some of us invest way too much in being recognized, accepted loved, in having an impeccable reputation perhaps leading our lives according to other people's expectations rather than God's what trash do we need to clean from our lives in the wake of the clarity of the centrality of Jesus' Easter message how can we clean our inner houses, the temple of the spirit for this incomparable joy of living embraced by Christ and embracing him. Should we pray? Dear Lord Jesus, to help us to identify what keeps us from that big shift of knowing about you to actually live your resurrected life daily. In the coming hours and days, may your Holy Spirit help each one of us here today to pick up and discharge whatever we've been holding on to instead of you. Lord, if there are any idols in our place, any cheap or fake substitutes of you in our hearts. Help us to get rid of them so you can indwell us freely and abundantly. We do desire to experience eternal life now. Jesus, today we heard your voice once again loud and clear. You say, anyone here who believes, what you're saying and aligns himself with the Father who has, in, has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned. We believe you, Lord. We take you on this word. Help our unbelief and take each one of us by the hand in that great, magnificent journey from the world of the dead to the world of the living. In your beautiful and loving name we ask. Amen.